before I, before I get started on a lighter note, <laughs> right after worship, worship was awesome. I mean, come on, one more time for the worship. I mean, was that not awesome? It makes, it makes what I do up here so much easier when they're just breaking through and bringing heaven down, right? But one of the funniest things, my, my wife's drinking out of her water bottle, and me and Anna are sitting there talking. She goes, God, this taste is horrible. What is going on? I got this taste in my mouth. And she looks at Anna, and I goes, oh, my gosh, I forgot. Our dog peed on the water bottles. <laughs> and so she was wondering why the water tastes so bad. And she just, she had the revelation that she picked up water bottles that the dog peed on. So if that doesn't get the spirit moving in this place, I don't know what will. Not this water bottle, but her water bottle. Dog knows better. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. Hey, if you have your Bibles, turn to John 17, and then we're going to turn back to John 13, because before I really get into what I want to talk about, the foundation of everything that I believe runs in these two verses, before our gifts, before our callings, before your doctrine, your end-time eschatology, everything that we believe, everything that you carry is secondary to what I'm about to read you. As Kelly once said in a great message, she goes, everything gets us back to center, right? When we're singing that song about the wars, the battles we're in, it's always getting away from the war and back to center. And what is center? Read John 17, 3 with me. This is Jesus, and he's praying to the Father, and he says this, and this is eternal life, that they may know thee, the only true God, and Jesus whom thou hast sent. The foundation of what we believe, Jesus came so he could reveal the Father. Hebrews 1.3 said he's the exact representation of the Father. He represented the Father so we could see him and see Jesus as our Lord and Savior. This is just fundamental stuff that I'm talking about right now. But it's the key to get us back to center when things aren't going our way, to remember that he is good. Go back to uh, chapter 13 in John, and at the verses uh, 34, and he says, this new commandment I give to you. That you love the Lord as I have loved you. That you love others as I have loved you. So here he is telling us about our center, our core, everything we believe. Our default is our relationship with the Father through the Son, right? Seeing him as he is, a good, good Father in, in light of our circumstances and in spite of our circumstances. And then loving one another and seeing each other as sons and daughters of God. Nothing should change that no matter where we find ourselves in our circumstances. Everything should take us back to that center, that core. Uh, that's why I love Kelly's message. It's that in the midst of all our circumstances, when we're crying out, Lord, the devil can't take this, but I know my core is Jesus gave his life for me so I could see the Father. And I am called to love you, love you, 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 as, God is, as Jesus has loved me. If we can stick to that core as our safe spot, as our default, it's amazing what can come. Because without that, we're panicking. Without that, we're screaming, Lord, save me. Don't you see the waves? And instead of saying, Lord, I see you, I'm surrounded by you, I'm okay. Follow me? It's like this is our core. If we can't get our core, everything else, because religion, we go to some, you go to some places and they want to put doctrine on you. Well, they put doctrine on your stuff. Okay, you, put, you go to charismatic churches like ours, and we want to put supernatural on top of our stuff. And what I want to understand, get everyone to understand, is that if we can understand our core of what we're supposed to believe and who we're supposed to love, offense and a lot of things go by the wayside. 
See, so here's the question I want to ask tonight, and I'm going to kind of walk through it. Does the life you live reflect your heart? Or to say it another way, does your heart reflect your life? Is what's going on inside you really revealed in the life you live? Or is the life you live really revealing what's going on inside of you? I want to give you an example. I'm going to use me for an example. 1993, Kelly and I married six years. You've heard, most of you have heard this story before, but I just want to come at it from a different perspective. In 1993 was this great awakening for me that the life I lived on the outside was not the life I lived on the inside. It was the beginning of a process of awakening me because I got, I got shocked into having to change. That everything that was in me was being exposed because I had a persona that was not the, was not the reality that she was experiencing in, in life. That I was, I was a hard husband. I was, I was judgmental. I was, um, I mean, name the adjective, sweetie. You're sitting right there. Jeff and Amory could spit them out, you know, because as we, as we were processing our marriages, I was just cold. I should, would shut her down. I would use scripture to make her submit, all that ugly, yuck stuff that makes you just kind of repeat in the back of your throat. <laughs> and in this process, in this process, I became awakened to the fact that my internal life was not the life I was living on the outside. Now, I'm not saying it was all done by then. There was many other occasions for that more and more and more of that onion to be peeled back and exposed. But that was an awakening in my life by a circumstance that allowed me to see something that didn't add up. When I walked out my door, I was a different man than I was inside my door. That when I walked into church, I was a different man than I was outside the church. See, I'd walk into a church and instantly they'd, throw me into some leadership, and I had zero character, I believe, or zero maturity to handle anything they would give me, so it was just another, issue, another chance for me to control. So this is my story. So the question is, what's your story? What's going on in you that's not being reflected in the outward life? What is it that's challenging you that your persona, Kelly said it right, your shiny self that we have out there that we have to keep hidden because we're afraid of what might happen? Our living the authentic life is what Jesus always did. He was not afraid of the people that didn't like him, and he was not afraid of the people that liked or losing the people that loved him. He was authentic through his whole life. See, we all want to be known, and we want to know. But it's easy to know. We study, right? We pursue, and then what do we do? We act according to what we know and pursue. And from that has to be a known. How many of us really want to be known? It's scary. We might be rejected. We have fear that someone might not like us, that we might have to be defaulted back to go and do not collect $200, that there's some totem pole in the kingdom that takes us back to where, oh, people will judge us. But it's, it's one of those things where when we can be known, it is the beginning of a process of freedom that never stops. Because it's only that first time where I was exposed from my internal workings versus my external workings when Kelly just said, I can't do this anymore. It was like, boom, woke me up to a process. Like I said, there was not a silver bullet that day. It was a process. And processes where our friends were involved, 
Ten years later going, oh, we see this. I mean, it was a process of this thing of getting stuff out of me so my internal life could best express who I was as a son. And so with Kelly, it was this process. So the the question I had is like, could I trust? But once I understood that this was the first part of freedom, then I understood. It kind of, how many of you remember the first time you had to go swimming or your kids had to go swimming? They sit at the edge of the pool, right? They cry and you're going, jump, jump, I'll catch you. And they're just going, I can't, I can't. They don't want to, they see the freedom that takes place once they jump. They can see the freedom of all the people communing together. They see the freedom and it opens up a whole new world for them. If they do was to jump in the pool, they could experience something they've never experienced before. It's scary. You have to trust. You're going to be exposed for your weaknesses. All these things, that, you know what, one of your weaknesses, you can't swim when you jump in the pool, so you need to trust somebody. And so all your weaknesses are going to be exposed to the water. But someone's there saying, jump. I got you. And then after that first jump, the kid's life is never the same again. He's experienced something else. It's the same thing in being known. Once you open up yourself to being known, the process never ends. And it, never, and it always gets better. But the scary thing about it is that first jump. Do you trust? Can you, han- do you, can you handle someone not judging you? What does it look like when someone doesn't reject you? because of what's going on inside of you. What does it look like? And can you see yourself jumping? Because right now, I bet most of you are wondering or going and having an eternal conversation of what life inside here is not out here for people to see. What do I cover? What walls do I put up? What boundaries do I put up that protect me from being known? Because here's the thing. Do you have your Bibles on you? If you do... One thing I want to talk about, I want to go to is um, go to Acts 15.8. No, just make a mark, Acts 15.8. And God, who knows this, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did. In Ecclesiastes uh, 7.22, your heart knows that many times you have cursed others. See, one of the things that takes place is that we all know God knows our heart, but we think he doesn't. I mean, if we did, exposing and being known would be easier. Because if he knows our heart, who loves us so much, then we have confidence in who we are that, okay, God knows I'm thinking this. It's not a good thought. Maybe it's safe to go share it with a friend and say, I'm thinking this thought, and I don't think it's that good. Versus pretending that we're not, that our heart is, you know, how many times, oh, he, he has a good heart. You know how many times probably people said that about me when I was going, if you just only knew. Because my, my heart at that point was to control. I mean, deep inside, the fingerprint of the Father is on me, so there is good in me. But what I was trying to get out of me was the things that I know God wanted to get out of me. So he could use me and I could walk in what he has called me to do. This is a real-life issue. This is a real-life situation to where sometimes we're forced to be known. Sometimes we are forced to be known versus volunteering being known. And when we're forced to be known, it's much more painful than coming and going, hey, I think I got some issues here that aren't lining up, and I'm kind of put this facade on, and I want to talk about it. Because here's the funny thing. God knew all along who I was. And here I am proclaiming who he is and who I am in him, and I could have been further from the truth. 
And so the freedom started that day. It wasn't painless, but it was freedom. When I, when I walk through Scripture and I see how my disconnect between my heart and my life, I'm in good company. When you go to Acts 15.8, if you have it in front of you, um, or uh, I'm sorry, where was I? Yeah, next, it says, in, uh, in Jesus, in Matthew 7, he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of God, but the one who does the will of the Father. He said, huh? Oh, where am I? Matthew. Yeah. And it said, uh, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did I not prophesy in your name? Did I cast out demons in your name? Did I not do mighty works in your name? And he said, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you to part from me. You know, one of, the, um, one of the things that I have found in that is that he actually, people were doing the good works that we can rely on our personal talents and giftings to get through Christendom. Our gifts and callings are irrevocable, and they can be a great cover for character flaws. One of the most impactful times in my life was a man that I, got, I shared that with you. I got slain in the spirit in front of 2,000 people with a man that was not being faithful to his wife. It doesn't matter what his life was, but what was the gifts and callings were irrevocable. That he was still doing it. But Jesus said, but I never knew you. In Acts 19, the seven sons of Sceva, when they went out and they saw a demon-possessed man, they said, I cast you out in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches. And the demon looked back at him and said, I've heard of Jesus, I know of Paul, but who are you? And then he what? Beat the crap out of him. So you see where all of a sudden there's, there's circumstances in life 2,000 years ago that we're dealing with today, something that's not in us that we're acting like, right, and something that's in us that we're acting like. And these are the struggles from 2,000 years ago that we still struggle with today. But we have more revelation today because we have the written word. We understand community. We understand family. We understand what the book of Acts was, was when people united around the power of the Holy Spirit, a ripple effect took place and change. And then for the next 2,000 years, all the churches have tried to stop that ripple effect and make it more comfortable. Because it's comfortable to bring people in and say, don't deal with anything. Let's just hoop and holler. Let's feel good. See you next week. And then what happens? The kingdom doesn't advance because people aren't prepared when trials come. Because Jesus, say, Jesus is saying, hey, I'm your, I'm your God seven days a week. I'm your God when you're walking into the battle, not just when you're walking in and out of church. I'm your God when you're in those circumstances and you feel surrounded. I'm the one that your enemy's going to see. I'm the Mufasa behind the Simba. Right? Waiting there to fight on your behalf. I've heard that word for the last four years over my life. I am fighting on your behalf. And it has awakened me to a God that is a fierce lover of me. And that's what he wants, to say. That's what he wants your battle cry to be. My God is a fierce lover of me. And he will come, even though I don't feel like it. So the heart and lifestyle, you know, there's, Bill Johnson put it this way. I want to read this quote from Bill. Um, if my iPad was said would work. Automatically thinking everything that happens is the Father's will is a lazy way of life. We live in a war. Jesus wasn't fighting the Father's will when he raised people from the dead. Think about that. Jesus was not fighting God's will when he raised people from the dead. 
Because people always go, well, let's just ease into life. This is a war. He's given us tools. He said, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. This is what he told us to do, the same thing he told Jesus. And so we don't sit passively waiting. We take a posture of of the father behind us. So what is it, the heart and lifestyle disconnect? This is what the father told me. And it uh, rang true to me, and I hope it rings true to you. But this is what, I'm just going to read it to you, what he said to me. A heart that has an encounter with the love of Jesus and steps out in faith to love someone and reflects the nature of the Father to another person's life is what causes a chain reaction of change in the kingdom. When we understand that it's our connection with Jesus and our submission to his Holy Spirit that is the only thing that, can, that, can, that someone can encounter that would actually tangibly change their life, then we get it. Because all the gifts and talents that we have won't change anything. But all the Jesus we have will change everything. And if we understand that and build upon the gifts and callings on our life on that foundation, things are going to change. A lot of people say, oh, well, you know, I prayed this guy didn't work. Or I gave this guy advice, it didn't work. Or this happened, it didn't work. It's like, what category are you in? Do you, you know, where, where is your center? Well, my center is usually myself. So myself doesn't work. But Jesus does. When our self is our center, and we're expecting God to show up, and then we blame God for ourself being our center. It's a crazy circle that we get in, but is anybody, am I preaching to anybody but myself? Because do you get the circle that we go in in our life and we don't ever take the time to think about our life and what's going on in our life to figure out what is happening, what is, why am I so, have so much anxiety? And a lot of times it's because I had anxiety because I was tossing so many balls to make sure that what was going on was not going to be exposed or what was going on that people thought that was good. Now, I don't know what, what balls you're juggling. Is it such a fear of what's going on in work? Is it such a fear of your children? Whatever it is, God's bigger. And he's waiting on you to say, I'm yours. He's waiting on you to say, I believe you have me encircled and entwined, that I have a safe place, not only coming to you, but coming to your body, because your body has answers. See, he happens to want to use us in the life of people, Okay. The me and Jesus movement was far and gone. It never worked. Because he gave us the body. You look through Acts, and he takes, takes us through a, through, a, through a flow of Acts where he said, okay, i got to go and give you the Holy Spirit. This is going to empower you to change the world. He puts you full of the Holy Spirit. Then he tells you exactly what you're going to do for life, right? And then what did he do? He spent the epistles telling everybody how they're doing it, kind of messing it up. Telling them how they're getting back to religion. They're defaulting back to tradition. They're doing everything they didn't. They're, you know, think about the letters. The letters went to people that were going back to old traditions and oppressing women, oppressing certain people, keeping slaves, doing things. When he said, no, 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 no. I gave you the Holy Spirit to go and change the world to love people. And all you're doing is trying to control them again. Here, here's a letter. <laughs> here's a letter. Think about how simple this gospel is. He just, he's not trying to change the gospel. He's trying to change you in the way we think. That's all he's trying to do. And it's a very simple transaction because he's saying, you don't have to pretend anymore. The day I quit pretending 
And the day I started my process of pretending less, let's say, <laughs> let's be honest, that onion's still being peeled. There are certain things that I only share with an inner core that I don't, you know, and as your core gets out there, you share more. There's, there's a few people in here that know more about me than 98% of you. But there's, then there's another 20% I know a little bit more. It's just you don't go and just cast out everything to anybody that, that you know. But there's a body in here that is wanting and willing to love and, and minister to you through your pain if you're willing to open up and say, this is who I am. This is who I am. Because if not, we're just playing church, people. I'm not here to play church. I mean, really, i got other things to do. I mean, i got a calling on my life. i got a calling on my life. That I know what it is. I know that, I'm to, that God's going to use me to bring freedom to people. And I don't want to whitewash what he's calling us to do. We're not just a good sermon note that we can share on Facebook. But it's actually something that, that mobilizes something in our spirit to know who we are. To run out there and find the people that are hurting and, and don't know who they are. And have, are so closed off that they have all anxiety and just... Bitterness and just everything wrapped in a cocoon, ready to explode, and you have the keys. A person sitting right next to you might have your key to unlocking everything that you're going through. But is it, will you let it out? See, because good intentions mean nothing in the body. Well, I had good intentions of calling. Well, I had good intentions of stepping in. Good intentions do nothing. But we used, well, I had, I had intentions too. Well, how'd that person feel about your intentions? I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on you. I'm just saying good intentions do nothing, right? And also, one of the things that's crazy about intentions is that we judge, our, we judge others by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. Right? And so think about this. So when we judge ourselves by our intentions, our intentions are always good. Anybody have a bad intention? I mean, maybe once in a while you want to, you know, hit somebody. But I'm saying when something good is going on or something, we always have good intentions. And our good intentions make us feel like our heart is good and everything inside is flowing. But they're intentions. Nothing's manifesting on the outside. And so what do good intentions do to, to advancing the kingdom? You know, nothing. Good intentions is where we're idling the war. Good intentions make us think something that's, going, that's not going on in us. You know, I have good intentions toward my wife in 1993. I love her, all these things. Um, I intend to really love her like she needs to be loved. I'll get you a Hallmark card that says that. But it's not until I actually say, honey, what I've, how I've treated you was wrong, and I come to a revelation of why I was that way, I dealt with what was going on in me so I could start a process of healing what we have. And that was 24 years ago. Marriage has never been better. She's a lucky woman. No. <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? It's a process. It's, it's, you know, the process of jumping in the pool. You're evaluating everything that's going to happen before I expose anything that's going on in me. But that freest moment is when you jump. That freest moment is when you jump. See, in the kingdom, it feels like, I'm going to run by three points to you. I said, in the kingdom, it feels like more pressure to perform because Jesus said, love others if I have loved you. That puts a lot of pressure on people. Love others if I have loved you. 
I mean, what if they've wronged you? What if they, you know, don't do what you want? What if they disagree with you? Let's say they voted for Hillary or they voted for Trump. What if, they, you know, what if they, they believe in kneeling the flag or don't believe in kneeling the flag? Let's talk about the Hussites. Can you love them? Can you, get a, can you get away from somebody that doesn't look like you, act like you, come from where you come from, and love them? Because I didn't see love others that are just like you and live in your neighborhood and <laughs> are in your social club. Didn't see that. I mean, what if you're challenged to love others? Why are we challenged to love others? I think, one, you don't understand or feel his love. Truly understanding that you are a loved son and daughter of God. Because if you know that, I mean, you notice the theme of identity that runs all through our messages. Because until we get this right, there is no step two. And so do you feel loved? Do you actually feel loved by the Father? Do you feel, it's like in um, that uh, old, old uh, movie about the track guy, and they asked him, you know, why do you run? He goes, because when I run, I feel his pleasure. Do you feel his pleasure when you walk through life? Do you feel his love? Not just when you come in here and everything's cranking up. I'm talking about when you're waking up in the morning and you're just spending some time with him. Do you feel his pleasure? Do you feel his love? That's a big question we have to ask. Because if not, we've got to get back to that connection. We've got to get back to that connection from where all life flows. Number two, you don't love because you feel disqualified because of actions or, or life experience. People all the time don't feel love because they don't feel worthy of love. They don't value themselves. They think that the way they were brought up or things they have done make them unworthy of love. It's kind of quiet. So when you sit there and look at your life and think that he's stopped loving you or you're unlovable, then you negate the cross. You negate the cross in your life because there's no one that loves you more. There's no one that's going to judge you less. Look at the woman I caught under adultery. I mean, how many of us would have stoned her? He just goes, where are your accusers? Pretty much, I'm not one of them. Go and sin no more. You know, I, I'm going to get to that here in a minute. I want to talk a little bit more about that. Number three, you feel the pressure of needing to do something. You don't feel, so, you don't feel it, so you perform. You know through scripture, you know through being in church for 20 years, five years, you know what to do. And if it's not going on in you, what do we do? We put on our masks and perform. We put our best foot forward so people can say, oh, this guy's got it together. This guy's got it together. As you, as you know, back to the story of Kelly, I was doing a dad, the family shepherd. I was a leader in that at the time where I, my marriage was at its worst. I was leading that. But I wasn't going to expose that to anybody, and neither was Kelly. Kelly wasn't going to expose me. She just exposed me to Anne-Marie. <laughs> but, but it was exposed, you know. My point is, is that those are the things that go into our life that make us make decisions to cover. And so, so self-focused we can't see him or others. See, I can always come up with reasons and circumstances of why I'm not seeing Jesus and others. You know, it's actually, well, 
it's my circumstances. You know, I'm just so focused on my circumstances that, you know, I don't have time to reconnect with the body. Now, I've heard that a lot. Well, I'm tired. Well, your life is in shambles, but you're not connecting with the body. Hey, you know this. You know we're not here to build a church, right? We're here to build a kingdom and build people. So I say that under this umbrella is that we're never here. If there's five people here, if there's 500 people here, we're here to build the kingdom, which is building people, to see an awakening that takes place throughout the city. So when I say, what I'm talking about now is specifically, it's like when people have troubles in their life and they don't come to church, not because we need attendance, because they need to be connected to the body, or they isolate themselves, it's the exact opposite of what we should be doing. We say, well, I'm tired. Oh, i got to be out of town. Or I'm just going to, you know, we were just kind of being with the family your family needs you healed and whole. Your family doesn't need you if you're dealing with stuff the way you are. Your family wants you transformed and whole so that can spread to your family. A muddy pitcher of water pours out a muddy pitcher of water. It doesn't pour out clean. And what I was pouring out, I was planting seeds. I can still tell you that I think some of my anger, some of my seeds of my anger that I had to repent for with my middle son came into him. Since it, you know, there were some things that I know that I was pouring out that was not fruitful, and I had to deal with that. I know this is a heavy message in some regards, but I'm going to end encouraging. But it's, it's something we have to deal with because the personas, the veneer we put on to pretend that we're okay when we're not is not where Jesus wants us in the body. Go back to Acts. He said they share all things in common. We always confuse that with financial gain or financial resources, but they shared all things. I'm sure they helped raise children when others had to go work in the field. You know, they had to deal with their issues when, I mean, there was nothing, nothing um, sacred in that point as far as what secrets they held. There was no, oh, let's just keep that within our family. It's like, you know, when we have something going on, it's like we got to call somebody. You know, it's like we got to get this out so we can talk about this. You know, we're not embarrassed about what goes on in our family. We talk openly. And what it is, it's taught our children to be free. Where even our, our children will speak to our friends openly and free. And it's brought so much freedom in their life. And I'm seeing freedom in a lot of your lives that I know because you took that first step. You said, yes, I'm going to jump into the pool. And you saw the value in that. And the onion's peeling back more and more. So you can get to the authentic you of who you are and how God created you. That on that foundation of your core center of you, Jesus, you loving and you dealing with your stuff, that every gift that you have and calling is yes and amen. That it actually has power behind it. Not acting power, but actually Holy Spirit power. Powered by a God that wants to run his, everything that he's given you through you to someone else. For the benefit of the kingdom to see an awakening here on this planet. What is it that keeps us from opening up? We're so afraid of exposure, judgment, rejection. It's the same thing when we talk about we see, we see need. Same reasons we make the same excuse of why we don't reach out when someone, we see someone hurting. Or we don't stop on the side of the road when we see someone with a flat tire. Oh, someone else will get it. Or this woman or man hurting in church. Oh, one of the leaders will get them. You know what? I'll... Um, I'll pray for them without telling them, which is great. Don't, I love prayer. But when we see people, we're, we're afraid because of what's going on in us to reaching out because we don't feel like our life is together enough to give anyone else advice. Like we have to be perfect. 
we have to have no sin, we have to walk on water, or we can't give anyone advice or lead them to the Father. Because a lot of, 90% of the time, a lot of the counsel that you get is going to be reconnected to you to the Father where he can speak to you and tell you who you are and you can light up and go, now I see. Like when, you know, when, 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 you're, when, the, when Paul's eyes were removed, the scales were removed and he saw. That's 90% of counseling is awakening you. But it takes people to reach out, and sometimes we don't because of all these things going on in our life, that we have these hidden picadillos that, you know, if they only knew, so I don't have any room to go in there and judge them. I, you know, and you don't have any room to judge them. You have every room to love them. And if you're st- st- struggling with stuff, you can go in there and love them. You can launch in. A t- I think there's three forms of communication here in the kingdom. I see there's the text. I think that's the lowest form, but it's effective. I know, but I think it's effective. Hey, a timely text from somebody. You text somebody around the world or next door, and you just happen to hit them with a text. But that's the lowest form of communication. You know, it's just, but it can be encouraging, and God uses it. I love it. When I get an encouraging text, it lights me up. But what's even better, the phone call. They can hear your voice. They can hear the passion of how you care for them, and they can hear your words and the countenance of what you carry and the presence and when you're encouraging somebody that's in a hard place that's saying, I'm struggling with this, and you're trying to root out of them what's going on so they can get back to that core center. And then there's the go, the love that shows up, and when it's not in your most convenient time. That actually a person will show up and sacrifice and say, I'm here. What do you need? I'm here because everything that I carry that God has in me, I'm going to give to you. So you can reconnect to the Father and you can get freedom. And I'll, I hope, I pray that I have the wisdom of heaven to give to you, that you can be set free. Or you know what? Sometimes it's just sitting there and crying with them. Sometimes it's just sitting and crying with them saying, I don't have your answer, but I got your love. But what is it? What is it that we show up? What is it that keeps us from opening up? What keeps us from showing up? We don't love or value others, but God, you know, we don't love ourselves sometimes, and we don't love, but God found you worthy to give his son. So if God found you worthy enough to give his son, why do you find yourself so unworthy? You ever thought about that? When we throw mud on ourselves, and Jesus is going, why are you tarnishing something I made beautiful? Have you ever seen yourself like that? And he's actually looking and saying, why are you saying those things about yourself? I gave you my son, and I see you as beautiful. And I'd do it again. And I'd do it again. So why do you view yourself like this? Why do you hate yourself or, or hate what you're doing? And, and sometimes you do hate what you're doing. But then he gives you a choice to stop it because his love has all the answers. It's just a turning, like I preached a few weeks ago, it's just a turning of our mind and saying, no more, I follow you. But sometimes it takes someone in next to you to say, hey, do you see this? Can you, can you deal with this stuff? But when something comes to you, do you get defensive? Do you have all the answers? Do you, oh, well, it's just because I'm going through this. Really? So what about the next time you go through that? There's these things that unravel, un, unravel in our life that allow us to unfold the onion inside of us that we can allow Jesus to get in. Because at the end of the day, we have to find our center. I think trauma, hurt, wounds, offense, shame, bitterness, guilt, anger make our hearts cold. 
And when we bottle that up and pretend it's not there and act out or cover it up and act right, that's what happens. So I say all that to say this. No matter where you are in this journey of this uncovering, you might be rep tighter than a tick, not exposing yourself to anybody, have all this stuff, you have a life that's going on inside that's not reflected on the outside. You might are open to dealing with your stuff. You might have an external life that you have trouble with self-control. You might be going through things that make you feel like you don't measure up. When you look to the person to your left or right, well, I've done this, I've done this, I don't measure up. I'm not as good as this person. I'm not as bad as this person. So I feel like I'm right in the sweet spot of where God wants me. Right? If there's a line to hell, I'm just to the right. But, but not that guy. I mean, think about how crazy we think. We, we think like when we compare ourselves to others, that's what we're doing. Am I right? I'm just trying to articulate to where we actually put voice to what we think. It's like, well, I'm a little bit better than this guy. And so all these things that are going on is in our heart. It's in there, and it's percolating. We judge others because we think we're more self-righteous, we're more righteous, but we're really self-righteous. You know, we, we quote scriptures at people, but don't even know the person that really wrote the scriptures. And all this stuff is what we're dealing with. And so my question to you, my, my statement to you is this. No matter where you are in this spectrum, I don't care where you are. You might be as free, to, you might be free today, but you, there's a lot of people out here struggling. I tell you this. I want everyone's eyes. You are not disqualified. You are not disqualified to be in the kingdom. You are not disqualified. And I want to know one thing. Who disqualifies you? In your mind, who disqualifies you? You. Because your Father in heaven is saying, you are qualified to do anything you want. I, have, I, I knew your name before the foundation of the earth. And I qualify you no matter what. Because it negates the cross when we disqualify ourselves and say that we're not worthy of something that God says you're worthy of. And then the second question is, what's the measuring stick for your qualifications? Whose is it? It's yours. You've put up a measuring stick that says, well, if I don't do these certain things, I must be disqualified. And he's saying, no, no, the measuring stick was the cross. Go back to the cross That's where you were given value. That's where you were qualified. Because guess what, guys? When someone does something, he or she is always qualified. It's up to the body to restore him in perfect love back to the Father. We want to persecute. Because that's one of the things I put down here. I said, what's the appropriate punishment that makes you feel free or whole? What's your appropriate punishment? Everybody has in their own mind. Uh, you know, if you're Catholic, you may be 10 Hail Marys. You know, not making fun, just being serious. You know, but you all have in our own mind what our punishment should be for certain value targets of sin. Right? Well, I told a white lie. I don't feel that guilty. I totally lied. You know, oh, I beat myself up. Whatever it is, guys, whatever's going on inside you, What's the appropriate punishment for wholeness and freedom? And when do you stop doing it? What, because that, those are the three questions 
about not being disqualified. I mean, what disqualifies you? What's the measuring stick? And what's the appropriate punishment for your disqualification? How do you answer those in your own mind? Because if you're sitting here today feeling disqualified, I'm telling you you're not. I'm not telling you because it's my opinion. I'm telling you because I've, I know the heart of the Father. You're not disqualified. You never were. Was the woman caught in adultery disqualified? No, she was restored and lifted up and written in Scripture for us to read. So what's your qualification? Your qualification is the cross. And if we can get this back to our center, if we can get this back to our center, whenever you're feeling condemned, whenever you're feeling like whenever you sin, whenever anything is going on in your life, whatever fight you're in, whatever war you're in or battle, that you can get back to that center point. You get back to that center point as fast as you can or call someone to help you because guess what? The first thought that's going to come through your mind is I'm disqualified. You know how many times under my own punishment guidelines and what disqualifies me, how many times that would have happened in my life? I mean, ask my wife in 30 years of marriage. She's known me since I was 19. If you would have known me when I was 19, <laughs> I'd still be doing penance. But I have a Savior that's b- bigger than all that. And so my question is you, when do you stop punishing yourself? What day will you stop punishing yourself and, it, and receive the freedom that, it, that encounters us on the cross? What day? Because right now I'm looking at a bunch of eyes that punish themselves that feel inadequate, that feel like I'm not in any position, I'm out of the game. And if you're one of those people, I don't want you to leave here tonight thinking there's another thing you can do except find your center, find the connection with Christ, and connect with people in the body because he wants to encourage you. So what I want to do is I'm going to have a few people come up here and prophesy, and then I'm going to close with a prayer. But what I want to know is this, courage is not sometimes lack of fear, it's doing things in spite of your fear. And so when I say if you feel disqualified, I'm not asking you to share anything. I'm not asking, and guess what, no one in here is going to, oh my gosh, judge you because people feel disqualified for getting a speeding ticket, or listening to rock and roll music or rap music. It's amazing how people feel disqualified. And some have done other things. But if you feel disqualified, if you feel this internal working is not manifesting in your external life, if, the, if your heart and your life aren't connecting, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'm going to have some people come up here People I talked to before the service, please come up here. And I'm going to ask you to stand if, if you feel you're one of those. And it's not one of those like, oh, my gosh, it's one of those like today's the first day of freedom. Today's the first day of freedom. If you look at it like any other way and you're li- not listening with the ears of the spirit, you're l- listening to the wrong, wrong voice. So I want to ask you at this point right now, if you feel a disconnect between your heart and your life or feel disqualified, please stand. Disconnect between your heart. Please stand.
Is that everybody? Boldness and courage changes lives. Boldness and courage. There's no judgment here. There's this, just want to see freedom. Just want to see freedom. Is this everybody? Ben, find someone. It's going to take a second, guys. Bear with us, okay? Ali, Hebrews 12, chapter 1 is for you. And this is what the Lord says about you and over your situation. That he is streamlining your faith in him. And then in return, he's building underneath you a deep foundation and a well that bubbles up. And the disconnect is going to evaporate far easier than you would think. Amen. Fire when ready, guys. Just if you got one, call them out. Go. Casey, um, earlier today in worship, I felt what felt like feathers, like falling. And so I was looking up, and I'm like, what does that mean? And I didn't even know that feathers are like um, the most complex of the different things that cover anything, um, like skin, nails. And so, and they fall at different seasons, and new ones grow. And so I heard the Lord say, like, he's giving you new feathers, like the old things that, that you've used to protect yourselves are falling off, and it's painless, and new feathers to protect you are growing, and that they're going to be beautiful and long and powerful, and they're super complex. That's the nature of feathers. So I just bless you with that. What's your name with the pink flower? Audrey, Audrey, um, I saw you earlier and just immediately I felt like the Lord told me that you're such a natural leader and I feel like he's like in this process of restoring your voice and I feel like you're going to come to a place where you understand how powerful your voice is and, and just even before you speak though, your eyes and, and your body language, you're just a natural leader and I feel like you carry so much influence and I feel like um, the Lord's saying that you... There's, you're going to be in a place where you're not afraid to, like, speak out for what you think is right. Or if you see an injustice, that you're going you're gonna to fight for that. And I'm not sure if that makes sense to you, but I feel like God is just saying, like, you were born for this. And there you, like, felt like you're in pressure or something like that. But I just feel like an explosion of power is about to come through you and come through your voice and come through your thoughts. And I feel like you're going to wake up and breathe and be like, Oh, that, like, this is who I really am. And I feel like you're going to, I feel like you're going to be glad to be you. I feel like you're going to finally understand who you are. Amazing. Um, Richard, when I looked at you, I heard King Richard. And I heard Richard the Lionheart. <laughs> and, and I feel like the Lord's saying that you have the heart of a king, that you really do. And those that know you know that that's true. Um, you are royalty. You're a son of the king and you're, and you are a king um, that walks in the kingdom. And, uh, and, and the Lord says that you have a, a, the heart of a lion, Richard, the lion heart. And, and there's a fresh boldness that you're about to experience, Richard, um, that comes from knowing even more your true identity and what God says about you. So I just bless you with that in Jesus' name. And Marshall, when I looked at you, uh, I, I saw a picture of the Lord putting a, a, uh, like a sheriff's badge on you. 
it's like, and it's, there's, there's a leadership and authority that God has put on you um, that you're about to step into in a whole, on a whole other level. And I see this shiny badge that God's putting on you. It's like he's deputizing you and he's commissioning you into leadership. So, and he's saying, go for it in Jesus' name. And Richard, for you too, um, you're really known for your gentleness. And I had this picture of you sitting like on the ground, petting a lamb, which represents Jesus. And in the King James Version of Philippians 4, 5, it says, um, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Dave, I, when I turned around and saw you standing, I just saw immediately, I saw you on a battlefield and I saw that you were on the front lines. And I just feel like that the weight of what you're carrying and the weight of what you're feeling right now is because there's actually a lot of people behind you. And I just feel like it's a good thing though. Like, but I just feel like the freedom that you're stepping into and like the connect between your heart and your head and your spirit and all of this, like it's when it feels heavy, like, no, it's not just for you because I just feel like as you step into it and as you move forward, there's such a ripple effect. Like there's, so, there were so many men behind you who were getting like this freedom that they never would have imagined. Um, and you like, you also, y'all had your shields up. I think like, I think the Lord just wants you to know that you're protected. Like you're, the shield was in front of your body. Like nothing could get to the really important things. Nothing could get to your like important organs. And so in the midst of what feels like a battle, I just hear the Lord saying that you're so safe. You're so protected. So in the green shirt, what's your name? David. That's a good name. Okay, uh, I sense very strongly for you that uh, the Lord wants to communicate that the thoughts in your head are primarily not yours, the ones that plague you. They're not from him, and he's going to take those thoughts. He's going to bring them to the cross. He's going to nail them. He wants your participation there, and as that happens, you're going to experience the most amount of freedom that you've ever had in your entire life. Amen. Okay, purple shirt. What is it? Mackenzie, I heard that you haven't been able to run and that you are going to be able to run, that you're meant to run. And um, I saw you running in the spirit, and I heard that you're a forerunner. And a forerunner is some, someone that will go somewhere that others won't go, but the others will follow. So I just release over you the anointing of a forerunner, that you are meant yeah. to run, that you're meant to run far. You're meant to pave paths that are unpavable. And you have a great call in your life. And the dreams that you feel on the inside that you haven't uttered words, God's going to light a fire, and those are going to start to come forth in your life. So I just release that over you, Mackenzie. In the blue? Yep. What's your name? Patty? Patty, I hear the Lord speaking over you. I just, I just hear acceptance. I hear this abundant acceptance, and I feel like he's going to be giving you this new confidence to walk into any situation, into any place, just like knowing how accepted you are. I see this new boldness coming over you, this boldness and this confidence and this acceptance and this, like, just this, like, steadfast, sturdy anchor, and I feel like you already 
are that for so many people and you don't even realize it. And I just feel like you've held so many people up when they've, when they've needed help and you're such a, a person who brings such comfort to others and I feel like he's going to release that same amount of comfort over you that you've just endlessly poured out. Uh, Shane, when I looked at you, I heard Psalm 1 um, where it talks about uh, the righteous man. And it says that he shall be, in verse 3, it says, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth, brings forth fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does prospers. And the Lord's calling you that, Shane. He's calling you a tree planted by the river. And I saw your roots just going deeper and deeper and deeper beside the river of God. And you're about to encounter the love of the Father like you've never encountered him before. And that, that's about to happen, so get ready. And the Lord says that because of that, you're going to be a strong oak. You are a strong oak, but it's going to a whole other level because you're a pillar in your family and you're a pillar in this environment. So I bless you with that in Jesus' name. Heather, um, I see the Lord just pouring hope over you and that you're going to be a carrier of hope. And Hebrews 6.19 says that hope is like an anchor. And no matter how hard the water is going or the, the boat you're in, but when you put that anchor down and that's your hope, that holds you in place. But you're a carrier of hope. Jaden, are you standing? I saw over you, I mean, I'll give you this either way, but I just saw over you a picture of like a math equation and it was like, it had a bunch of numbers and letters, and it was really complicated. And I feel like the Lord wants you to know that he's put a gift inside of you to help people figure out problems. And it's like, I just saw you, it's like you walked into a room, and there was all these adults and all these people older than you, and you just knew exactly what to do. And so with that, I think the Lord just wants you to know, when you see problems and you see like complicated things there is solutions inside of you and that the Holy Spirit is going to give you solutions and answers. So does that make sense? Oh, that's awesome. Go ahead. There's no particular. Okay. What's your name in the green shirt? Kristen. Kristen. I heard the word joy over you and actually saw this bright yellow room and um, I just heard joy and also heard the secret place that you have prayed prayers. I feel like the Lord's going to start to answer those prayers that you prayed. And so some of the dreams and some of the prayers, some of those things that you have in your heart, the Lord is so excited about. Like he is so excited. I see him like cheering you on like a really proud father in a game. He's like so cheering you on. And so I just release over you joy and I feel like... You are going to be like a spark from a fire, and it's just going to start roaring through your sphere of influence, your friends, your people group, your school, whatever you're involved in. I just see joy, just like a, almost like a wildfire just going through. So I just release joy over you, Kristen. Lisa, he's taking the grave clothes off. Just like in the story of Lazarus when Jesus raised him from the dead and he said, Lazarus, come forth. His next sentence was, unbind him. They took off the grave clothes, so he was called into newness of life. And that's exactly this place that the Lord has you in. He is taking those grave clothes off Hallelujah. so that you identify more 
with his resurrection than with his death. And he is going to boot that up in you. That's it's going to be awesome. That's a good word right there. Who's next? Got one? Go. Uh, ben and Nikki, when I looked at you, I actually saw music notes around you. And um, the Lord just says that he so loves your worship. And I know you guys in the natural just love, love, love worship. But I feel like the Father is saying, thank you for worshiping when nobody's looking. Thank you for worshiping me in the secret place. And thank you for worshiping me even when it was a sacrifice of praise. Because he saw that. And, and I feel like the Lord is saying, still, worship is key for you guys. Your breakthrough is always going to come from that place of worship. So I, I just feel like we're just all supposed to stretch our hands toward Ben and Nikki because I feel like the Lord's saying that there's a spirit of breakthrough you guys are about to experience. So, Father, I just thank you for breakthrough, yeah. even along the lines of what Joey shared. God, we just break off disqualification, and we say that you are worthy and you are qualified, and we release breakthrough, and that breakthrough that comes through worship in Jesus' yes. name. Amen. Andrew. I saw this picture of you surrounded by, it looked like like white cotton. And I was like, what is that? And the Lord says, it's not cotton, it's, it's the cloud. It's the cloud of my glory. And I feel like he was saying that you've, like, you're in this cloud and that you're looking around and, and you're, you're maybe confused or like, I don't know what I'm seeing here. I don't, I, like, there's just been something going on where you're, what's, what's the right word? You're like, getting a new balance, basically. But I feel like the Lord is, he's saying, like, he's so surrounded, you're so surrounded in his glory. You're so surrounded in his presence that you don't even know that it's him. And I feel like he's taking you to just new levels of, new levels of thinking, new levels of seeing, new levels of dreaming, just a new capacity for everything. And I feel like just like a ship, like you're in this place of coming into a new place and you're getting your bearings and you're okay, like you are okay, you're good, and you're in a bigger ship, and you're in bigger waters, but it's, you're meant to be there, and I feel like you're going to come out of this cloud, and I just feel like he's, he's saying you're like a captain now. Laura, are you standing, or are you just hanging out? <laughs> awesome. Well, Peter, I, I saw the Lord giving you new, new glasses and giving you new eyesight. And I feel like the Lord's saying that he's opened your eyes. He's giving you fresh vision. And I feel like even for your own life, you're about to have fresh vision. It's like the Lord's about to reveal your next step. Does that make sense? You've been asking him for some direction. You felt a little bit stuck. And the Lord says, watch, because I'm about to show you the next step that's going to bring a lot of fulfillment. So I bless you with that. Okay, what's your name? Alex. Alex, I see this cheetah in you, and um, that made you smile. <laughs> um, you know, cheetahs are the fastest land animal. Um, and so I feel like the Lord has created you very uniquely. Um, you know, all the spots on a cheetah are very unique and different. And so there's gifts inside you that have yet to come. And the world needs what is inside you. That what he has created you so specifically, the way your mind works. I think specifically a lot of your gifts are going to come out of your mind. You're thinking, you're writing, you're dreaming. Um, I just bless your mind. I just see that a lot of times the wheels are turning. And you know what? Anything that's in your mind 
that plagues you or doubts you or anything like that, I just cancel. It's an assignment against you, and I just say, no, that is not for you. And we just give you, Jesus, full reign to come and bless Alex's mind. I feel like there's inventions, patents, just things inside you that are going to come out, and they're almost going to be, like, explosive, just like the cheetah. And it's beautiful. You have a beautiful mind inside you and a beautiful personality and a beautiful spirit. And you know what? It's your time to bloom. It's your time to blossom. It's your time to come forth. And it's time for the world to see you and see all of your spots. So I just bless you, Alex, with that. Van, um, I heard they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And I feel like the Lord is renewing. It says they will, uh, um, the Lord will renew their youth like the eagles. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not strength and, and not faint. And I saw, I actually saw you driving a Volkswagen van as, as, as a younger man. And, and I feel like the Lord's saying that he's going to restore the days of your youth. And even those adventures that you used to go on as a young man, the Lord's about to restore the days of your youth. So don't give up because your most significant days can be ahead of you. So bless you in Jesus' name. It's, yeah. Is there anyone else that feels like they have a little anxiety lockdown, they didn't want to stand up? Okay, there's one. Okay. Anyone else? Where's the other one? Oh, two. Anyone else? This is our chance, guys. This is your chance. If you feel anxiety and you're locked down, this is your, this is your day one of a freedom. Okay. Go ahead. Um, remind me of your name right here. A little more patience, guys. We'll be done in a minute. Sorry? This is key stuff. Eugene. Eugene, I, the Lord's breaking... Uh, negative words off of you and even some things have been spoken to you that uh, maybe some lies that you've believed um, that have kind of held you back a little bit even some mindsets about yourself the Lord is I just see the Lord breaking off all shame breaking off all unworthiness and the Lord says that you have full freedom uh, to actually really like yourself even more and to really love who God's created you to be. And I just declare freedom over you and you are free from any word. And the Lord's, the Lord says you're his son in whom he's well-pleased. So bless you. Jackie. Okay, instantly you stood up and I heard lightning bolt. And I do not know much about lightning, but it scares the tar out of my kids. And so I feel like you scare the tar out of the enemy. You are strong. You are powerful. You might be tiny, but you are powerful. And I feel like the Lord is going to be releasing in you words to speak that carry mighty power, that they make things, they make mountains move, they heal people, they break chains off, that there's freedom. So I release over you the mind of Christ and the mouth of Christ, that you speak freedom and you speak with great, great power. Amen. Okay, guys, everybody stand. Lay hands on the inappropriate place on someone next to you. (laughs) Father, I just declare this another new day. A new day for seeing themselves differently than they saw them when they walked into here. I declare no one in here is disqualified. No one is disqualified in the kingdom. For you have qualified us with the blood of Jesus on the cross. You have qualified us with your love. I declare this a new day. 
for everyone in here to never see themselves as disqualified, to never see themselves as disqualified, that the internal workings of Jesus, who you are in them, is going to be the outward display to the world, that they can see Jesus as Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. May we be people that represent your Son well here on earth. I declare an awakening on everyone in here, awakening in this city, awakening to this state, an awakening to this country that starts with an internal transformation. No longer will we pretend of who we are, but know whose we are. No longer will we put on a persona that says, this is who I want you to see, but Father, that you would be seen through us. And I declare it this day, that from now on, from this day forward, people would see Christ in us, the hope of glory to a dying world. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.